You know, as we listen to that, I hope it moved you. Because music has an incredible power to move us. It, it literally touches us. There have been some, some studies that say that, that music stimulates more parts of our brain than any other human function. There's nothing that quite touches us like music. And that's why I love that God has given us such gifted people here in this church to sing. Wouldn't you love to be to sing like that? And just to give God glory and to touch something deep in somebody's heart because of not just the words, but the music. It changes us. Many of us remember maybe the first football game we went to after 9-11. And they played and sang the national anthem. And it touched us. Or you might remember last May in Boston, after the Boston Marathon bombing, when the Red Sox gathered to play, and Neil Diamond led the whole crowd in Sweet Caroline. It was an incredible touching moment, because music changes us. um, Some studies say it's everything from mood altering. Uh, There's a whole genre of science now that says that music has a healing power in our life. And so we think about the power of music, we especially think today of Christmas music. It stirs our emotion, it speaks to us, it, it shares our hopes, the way things ought to be. We sing, I'll be home for Christmas, whether we'll be there or not, that's the way it's supposed to be. And I was thinking about yesterday riding down the road in 82 degree weather, hearing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Well, maybe that's the way we think it ought to be, whether it becomes that way or not. And and if you think about our our Christmas music, it's very unique. Almost all of the famous Christmas music is at least 60 years or older. It was 71 years ago when I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas was first written. And it connects us to our past. It connects us to our family. And here's what's so unusual, is that no other holiday has its own music. You you, you think of Mother's Day or Father's Day, even Thanksgiving. It doesn't have its own music, but Christmas does. And let me say this, it started way back at the first Christmas in Bethlehem. If you watch the story, everybody's singing. Even the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 implies that Jesus, before he comes to the earth, is singing the 40th Psalm. When Mary finds out that she's going to give birth to the Emmanuel, she breaks out in song. When Zacharias' tongue is finally loosed at the birth of John the Baptist, he sings. The shepherds sing. The angels sing. Everybody is singing in Bethlehem. And how appropriate. Because Bethlehem is the city of David. The most famous songwriter of all time. We think of Music City USA as being Nazareth. Music City Galilee was Bethlehem. It was a place of great music. And so as we come to Bethlehem today, we're going to encounter a new question. We've been on a Christmas tour, if you're our guest today. We've been to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem has asked us, will you accept a new king? We visited Nazareth last Sunday. And the question was, will you join a new story? And today as we come to Bethlehem, we have a new question. Will you listen to alternative music? No, I'm not into grunge or punk rock or I'm not into um, gothic rock. 
But Christmas does give us an alternative view of things. Alternative music is non-mainstream. It's anti the status quo. And when we come to Christmas music, let me say this to you, it's revolutionary. It takes us places we wouldn't go any other way. Now think about this. Every major revolution in the history of the world has had music. When people are trying to overcome oppression and injustice, there's always songs that surround it. Whether you went back to the French Revolution or the American Revolution or the civil rights movement that was birthed here in our very street as people saying, we shall overcome. Every revolution had music. And there's nothing more revolutionary than the music of Christmas. There's a book written not too long ago by a lady named Mildred Frost. It's called Exile. It was about the days of apartheid in South Africa. And she writes that in those days, many Christmas songs were banned in South Africa because they were revolutionary. They said there's somebody else to obey rather than your oppressors. No one is ever saying more revolutionary words than these. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. What's that saying? All people, all nations, all dialects are to bow before a king. That there's a power and authority that's above every government on this earth. That is revolutionary. It's alternative music. And so today, let's go back to Bethlehem. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. And let's look at the story. And let's look at some alternative views about life that we're going to see here in this story. Let's just start. Let's read the Christmas story beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David... He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and said to them, The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's an amazing scene. And here's what I want you to see this morning. Christmas music will give you an alternative view of lots of different areas of life. That's why we sing it. We don't need just to sing it because it's the time of year. We need to sing it because it will 
feed the way we believe earth should be, what our hopes are. Let me give you five different areas. Number one, it will give you an alternative view of history. Most music is just noise. It's pointless. And many people believe that history has no point. That it's just getting more and more out of control. But here's the point of the Christmas story. It happened at a point in history. That's the significance of that quotation you see on the screens. In the days of Caesar Augustus, when Cornelius was the governor, Luke was a very careful historian. And so when he wants to tell when Jesus came, he makes sure to note who are the people in power. You say, what is the significance of that? The significance of that is that Christianity is the only religion on the earth that's based on historical fact. It's not based on you just having a feeling or maybe an appearance or a vision. It's based on the historical fact that we believe that God came to the earth at a certain point in history that can be dated. And that's why every time you write out a check, every time time is told and the year is told, we signify the time between B.C. and A.D. and the coming of Jesus marks time. And God is in control of time. It's not pointless. Because listen to me. Only God could cause a Caesar to call for a census that would move a poor couple from Nazareth 90 miles to Bethlehem when she's nine months pregnant so that the prophecy of God would be fulfilled. You see, the story of Christmas, it tells us that life is not pointless. All of life revolves around two dates, the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. It all comes to a point. Number two, it'll give you an alternative view of God. There are a lot of people today who don't believe in God. The percentages are going up. Listen to this song called Heresy by Nine Inch Nails. He sewed his eyes shut because he is afraid to sing. He tries to tell me what I put inside of me. He's got the answers to ease my curiosity. He dreamed a God up and called it Christianity. Your God is dead and no one cares. If there is a hell, I'll see you there. That's present lyrics. Alternative lyrics tell us that God is very much alive. Not only is he alive, he entered the world. You sang a few minutes ago, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hell incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. You see, we have a different view of God. Not of a God who's unknown or a God who's dead, but of God who's so alive and so in love with us that he came to be one of us. He came to reveal himself to us. When we all wondered what's God like and what does God want, God said, let me show you exactly what I'm like. Let me tell you exactly what I want. It's powerful. And Christmas music gives that. You know, sometimes even as Christian people, we sing lyrics 
that aren't really good. Many of us grew up singing a, an old hymn, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. What's the next line? Watching you. And how did we sing it? In, in trembling. That God is watching everything we do. That God is seeking to catch you. My friends, the alternative music would sing this way. There is an all-seeing eye watching you, watching you. But he's not watching to catch you. He's watching to rescue you and to love you. That's the God we see in Christmas music. He cared that much. Number three, we get an alternative view of salvation. Listen to a modern lyric by Linda Perry called Letter to God. Dear God, I'm writing this letter to you because I don't have a clue. Can you help me? I'm sitting here simply trying to figure out what my life's all about. Can you tell me? Oh God, please tell me now. Are you disappointed? Are you proud? Have I done everything, everything? I'm so sorry. I'm so weak. I've turned into a freak. But I don't know anything, anything. That's called being lost. Here's some alternative music. He lays his glory by, born that man no more shall die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. What Christmas says is, yes, we are lost, but we have a rescuer. We have someone who's come to save us. Because that's what salvation's about. It's not some kind of transaction. It's about being rescued from ourselves. About being rescued from this world of sin and death. And that's what Jesus did. But here's the cool thing. Here's another alternative view of salvation. If salvation is something that you receive, it's not something that you earn. Many of us have grown up with theologies that would tell us that there was so much work for us to do. If we would just do the work, we somehow could get the, the blessing and salvation of God. But the Christmas story says Christmas is a gift. It is a free gift. It is given to you. You can't earn it. I, I love the story of a, a grandmother. She lived away from all of her children and grandchildren. And so one Christmas she decided that she was just going to send them all a check she didn't want to go out and buy gifts, and she figured they would rather buy their own. So she um, gets some beautiful Christmas cards. She writes the checks. She signs the cards, and she sends them off. Well, Christmas morning, she wakes up, and as she scurries around the house on a counter in the kitchen, she sees the stack of checks. She had forgot to put them in the card. So all of her children and grandchildren got a card that said, Buy your own gift, Grandma. <laughs> well, some of us feel like God has told us, Earn your own salvation, God. The Christmas story is that God came to buy the gift for us. And it's for everybody. I love that part of the music. It was for all the world. John 3.16, my favorite word in John 3.16 is the word everyone. You see, Jews didn't have that kind of view of God. A Jewish man would wake up every morning and thank God that he was not a woman, not a slave, and not a Gentile. And Jesus comes in the midst of a genealogy full of sinners, 
surrounded by the low life of shepherds in a pitiful place no more than a barn to say that salvation of God is for everyone there's not a select few it is for everyone it's a different view of salvation number four he'll also give you a different view of your purpose on this earth you see he is the Messiah he is the Lord listen to some modern lyrics Miley Cyrus we can't stop it's our party we can do what we want it's our party we can say what we want it's our party we can love who we want we can kiss who we want we can see who we want we can see who we want Jesus came to say it's not your party it's God's party and you don't do what you want you do what the Lord wants it's alternative it says that God has come to tell you the way you should live your life not because God wants to rain on your parade because God wants to rain down blessings on your life well listen to the alternative music of Christmas truly he taught us how to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace you see this baby grew and he lived and he showed us how to treat each other and he showed us how to love each other he showed us how life should be and before he left he said let me tell you what you need to do there are two commands that sum it all up love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself so when someone slaps us we turn the other cheek when someone curses us we bless them when someone hates us we pray for them and talk about purpose our purpose is not fulfilled in doing what we want keep trying that guys keep trying to line your life up with things you want to do and you'll come up empty and selfish and miserable but you make him the Messiah the King the Lord of your life and you do what he wants and you will come up fulfilled because you have a purpose that's bigger than you and that brings us to number five he gives us an alternative view of joy his arriving caused great joy joy is not found in living for the weekend or living for money or living for power or living for fame joy is found in Jesus Christ Jesus says you're trying to have a joyful life by surrounding yourself with as many fun activities you can find that's okay and that'll bring you some temporary joy even sin will bring you some pleasure for a season no doubt but you want real joy it's an inside job that not only has God come to the world but God has come to take residence up in you God moved from heaven to the earth and when Jesus left through the Holy Spirit he moved into your heart and he produces the fruit of the Spirit which is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control that's real joy and so we're able to listen to a different song that gives us an alternative view of life when your marriage gets rough and it will you don't cut and run you stay and you pray and you struggle 
When the world says, put your job before your family, we have music that says, there's nothing more important than the people you love. When the world says your self-worth is equal to your net worth, we know our self-worth is there because of God placing worth on us. When sin enters and says, why don't you come out and play just for a little while, you'll be okay. We walk away because that's not our song. When death visits, and death will visit, you will not grieve like people without hope because you listen to alternative music. That doesn't mean you don't grieve. It means you don't grieve like other people. Oh, and I've ever witnessed that more than I witnessed it this week. In the premature death of our incredible brother, Wendell Scroggins. Wendell's 50 years old. And yet, in the program given out at his funeral, was a poem written by his wife, Billy. Listen to this. It's an alternative view of death. Sweet respite follows bitterest storms. Cove of rescue, refuge to love forlorn. Sweet love of Jesus to sinners tossed. Safe harbor found when all is lost. In times of darkness, sore distressed, his blood can reach us free oppressed. Faithful, true, he won't forsake. His love is offered, ours to take. Great gift of mercy, ours to own, no other like him ever known. When days are filled with many sorrows, remember, child, sweet respite follows. Why can you write something like that when you lose your spouse at 50 years old? Because you listen to alternative music. And my friends, that is our question today. Will you listen to alternative music? You see, one of the great lies in our culture is it doesn't matter what you watch. It doesn't matter what you listen to. It won't affect you. And so we as a culture are shocked after the children of our culture watch video games where shooting people and exploding buildings is just sort of par for the course. And then we're shocked when some kid walks into a school and really does it. And we have certainly a genre of rap music that celebrates killing of people and certainly the killing of cops. And then we act surprised when some poor teenager mows down a cop in gunfire. Because it's a a big lie. It's a big lie that what you listen to, what you watch, won't affect the way you live. And that's why we need this alternative music. That's why we need to hear a different sound. A sound that will challenge the status quo. And that brings us to our challenge this morning. Here's our challenge. Will you sing unchanging truth? Sing unchanging truth. We're going to do that in just a moment. This week's sermon, it doesn't call for a challenge for you to do somewhere out there. It can call for a challenge that we're going to do in just a few moments. That This morning, as we sing the Christmas songs, we think about the meaning. We think about the purpose behind them. And we celebrate and we sing. I like the story. Mother was all excited about the Christmas play. Sir, so boy showed up. He wanted the role of Joseph, but Joseph was taken. 
So he got the role of one of the shepherds. And he played it very well. After the play, though, the um, director decided to do something new this year. He was going to start a wardrobe closet so next year people didn't have to make the clothes all over again. So um, he starts taking up the wardrobe. And the mother goes to the little boy and says, let's give him your shepherd's outfit. And he said, sure, mom, I'll be glad to give him everything but the beard. She said to him, well, why won't you give them the beard? And here's what he said. Mama, the truth is I never learned the words of the songs. But if you have the beard on, you can move your mouth and nobody knows. The mother walked away in her heart wondering, when it comes to Christmas, am I just going through the routine of Christmas and I've never truly learned the songs? And I ask you this morning, while we're all so busy, buying and decorating and cooking and entertaining, are you just moving your lips? Or do you know the song? Everett Gordon wrote a book that was the basis of the movie Bridge Over River Kwai. That's one of the hundred, rated one of the hundred best movies of all time. And it's his story of being a prisoner in World War II in North Burma. And it was a humiliating place. His imprisoners were cruel and heartless. Later, Gordon um, would get out of that prison and he would later become the chaplain of Yale University. And he writes that the first part of their imprisonment, the prisoners were asking this in their prayers, Why God? And God, please deliver us. But as the years wore on, their prayer began to change. Lord, help us to know how to treat each other. We're here together. Help us to know how to treat each other. And so on Christmas Day, 1944, they didn't know it was the last Christmas they'd be imprisoned. Their prisoners gave them a day off of work and actually gave them a little bit of extra food. And in the middle of that Christmas Day, some of the prisoners began to sit in the middle of the camp. It was cold, but they had a fire. And one of the prisoners began to sing Christmas songs. And before long, because of their memories, they were able to spend the entire afternoon singing the Christmas songs. Ernest Gordon wrote later in his life, That was the most spiritual moment of my life. That day, we were touched by God. You see, my friends, it matters what you sing. It matters what you listen to. Today, I challenge you again to sing unchanging truth. We're about to sing a block of songs. If today you need some prayers or you want to surrender your life to Jesus, meet me up here. But the greatest response I'm asking for today is for you to take the next few minutes and sing unchanging truth. For you and I to go back to Bethlehem this morning and to sing 
the truth that gives us an alternative view of almost everything. Guys, we live in a world where we watch and we listen to lies every day. And this is the place of respite where we come to sing truth. I ask you, in past Christmases, have you just been mumbling the words? Is it just tradition? Or today, will you sing truth? Let's all stand together and let's sing.